Last week we we looked at crossing over the Gadarene, Delilah. We looked at many of those things in our journey. We're trying to show you that we've been using the phrase Gadarene. When Jesus crossed over to the other side, he met the Gadarene demonic. Two guys came, came from the tomb. Jesus met resistance as he was about to enter into new territory. Then we moved on to Delilah, how certain things try to subdue your strength. Delilah was a woman who tried to subdue her lovers. Well, it wasn't a true lover. She, she, she was the Old Testament version of Judas. She betrayed Samson, but then Samson was not smart enough because he, she kept tricking him. Oh, he kept tricking her, I should say, and didn't learn. He was playing with her, and eventually what you play with will bite you. He played with her. And he got burnt severely. And he ended, up, he ended up by losing his strength. He ended up by losing his eyes. But worse than that, God left him. God left him. And when we play with things that we shouldn't be playing with, the consequences can be devastating. We can lose our strength. We can lose our sight. And the Holy Spirit sings far from us. And we don't want that to happen, do we? And these Gadareans, if we go back to the Gadarene, they had violence. They threatened. You know, when voices come inside of your head that, you know, it's, and you can't sing all is well with my soul, it's because voices are on the inside telling you opposite. And you know, the voice inside you can be very strong. And it can be very disconcerting. If you let the maniac in the attic, in the loft, speak long enough, he'll rule and subdue you. And take away your strength. Anybody ever been plagued like that? I have. And it's, it's painful and it's, and it's wearisome. And uh, I believe in this season, God is trying to help us to, to uh, as the days of heaven are open. I really believe the days of heaven are possible on the earth. I'm not dying to go to heaven. I'm dying daily for heaven to come to me. And the last couple of weeks when we've been seeing these healings, this is just the start. This is a touch of he- a taste of heaven. It's a taste of heaven. You might not need healing right now, but you need to rejoice when you see it. Because if you, don't, you can't rejoice when you see it, you know, there's a problem. You need to pray for those who need it. Stand with those who need it until breakthrough comes because it's our breakthrough. What we establish here is for everyone. Though someone might get a taste of the water today that, we, that, that comes from the rock, somewhere down the line you might need to drink that same water so that you can be strengthened and refreshed. So it's a corporate breakthrough. It's not an individual breakthrough. Handy last week had a, had a good breakthrough. George, a couple of weeks ago, he had a breakthrough. So that's great. Breakthrough's in the house. But that's only a taste. Don't ever become nonchalant. Well, that's them. That's, that's not really great. It's only his legs. What do you mean it's only his legs? You try moving with that, any? And he's back in the gym now. That's good. It's good. So, but when, this is what I want to go to today. Get ready for this. When a patriarch, an Old Testament patriarch, a prophet, or a believer prays by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, you must pay special attention. And I'm going to show you why today. Now, we haven't got any patriarchs today, but we have fathers in our nation, I guess, who you could call patriarchs. But they're not all godly patriarchs, but they are patriarchs. We have prophets in the church today, but we are, every church has believers, hopefully. So when a believer prays and begins to lay their hands on you, you must pay specific attention to why. Because something is about to be imparted for you to get stronger, to see more clearly. It's so important. We should never take prayer for granted and never take it nonchalantly. It's so important. I'm going to show you why. You should pay attention because what you receive, I should say what is released, will determine what is released. Receive, sorry. Get it right a minute. What is released will determine what, what you receive. So if I can tap into the supernatural and I pray for you, that will determine what you receive. Yes? It's so important that if we stand there nonchalantly and someone's praying, why should you expect to receive anything? 
It's very often in healing, you know, sometimes or when the impartation of the Holy Ghost is, is, is coming, you pray for someone and, then, and they're resisting and the Holy Ghost hits the person behind them. They call it a backwash. The Holy Ghost can only go where he's welcomed. He won't force himself on anyone. And very often when someone's catching, you know, you've seen him standing behind in case someone falls. Sometimes the Holy Ghost comes on them and they get what the other guy should have got. Because they're not ready to receive what is coming from above. So important. So if you go to James chapter 5 verse 14, I'm going to show you something. A crossing over from sickness or from, from health, uh, sorry, from sickness to health is a journey. How many of you know that? It's a journey needing to be made. It's wearisome. It's, it can be long, but it can be shortcut. I said it can be shortcut. Christ at any time can intervene. Heaven can get involved. Amen? You see, when you're sick, some, something is trying to subdue you. Now, we've metaphorically been using the language Gadarene or a, or a Delilah. Whatever it is. We're only using them as metaphors. Whether it's your own thinking. Whether the thought is coming from within or without. It doesn't matter. It's there. It's plaguing you. So James 5.14 says this. If, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. And anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Right. It starts with a direct question. Is anyone sick? Not if. So, listen. Is anyone sick here this morning? No, I'm asking the question. Is anyone here, sick here this morning? No, you've responded, haven't you? It's a question. It's a direct question. Not if, is. Is anyone sick? Right. Then there's an action then going to follow. Not if. If is a suggestion. Well, I'm not sick. Right, so nothing's going to happen. But is anyone? Now we're searching. The Holy Ghost wants to do something in his church. Is anyone sick here this morning? Right, then. Then let's proceed. Look what he says. Is anyone sick? Right. Then, this then starts a direct question. Is anyone sick? This call, this call then creates both a challenge and an opportunity. I say, is anyone sick? Phil says, it's me. Right, now there's a challenge. What's the challenge? To knock the gadarene out of his territory. For heaven to get involved. Yes? The opportunity is for him to become Well. The challenge is to the spirit of infirmity to knock it out, knock it off him, right? But the opportunity is for him to step into wellness. Yes? Hello? Come on. Receive this by faith. It's a challenge and an opportunity. The opportunity is to involve heaven. To involve the Holy Ghost. To involve the finished work of Christ. Amen? To involve the weapons of our warfare. As key witnesses to this, what's about to happen. Amen? We can involve the finished work of Christ. It is well with my soul. Why? Because of what he has accomplished. So when the challenge and opportunity comes, I have an opportunity to invite the finished work of Christ onto the scene. I pray he heals. Hey, come on, be a little bit more. I'm trying to help you this morning. I pray he heals. I don't heal. He heals. I'm just a point of transfer. You're just a point of transfer. Someone says, I have a healing ministry. No, you don't. You pray and he heals. He's got the healing ministry. You just do what he's doing and he heals. Amen. You're a servant who's being used in that ministry. And when we bring the key, when we bring Christ, his finished work, the heavens, the Holy Ghost, it's some heck of a backup that. When those boys step onto the scene, everything has to surrender. Yeah? So the challenge and the opportunity then creates expectation. Can you see this? 
What does it mean? And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That's expectation. If I pray in faith, if I'm in faith, then I should be able to expect a healing. Expectation. So we've got challenge, we've got opportunity, we've got expectation. All from this verse. But there are requirements. The anointing oil. So if anyone's sick, get the elders to anoint them with oil. Oil's involved. Faith's involved. Yes. And the elders are involved. Are you reading this verse? It's all there. The elders are involved. Why? The elders, because they're the ones who govern the household of faith. God sees them as a point of contact on the earth, as his, as, as his legal representation on the earth. So he says, people call the elders, they lay hands on you, anoint with oil, and the rest gets heavy. It gets challenge, opportunity, expectation. Then we get the result. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and will push the demonic gadarenes out of your body. Will push sickness out of your body. So we have, come on, stay with me. We've got, expect, uh, sorry, we've got challenge, opportunity, expectation, requirements, results. This is what God showed me on Friday. Not read this anywhere, only in the Bible. God, give me this on, on Sunday for you. So, if, is anyone sick? You've not got it yet. You don't know how to respond. What we learn, what we've got to learn from this is prayer releases heaven onto the scene. Prayer releases blessing over our lives. Prayer releases heaven onto the scene. Prayer releases blessing into and over our lives. It's so key. Every sickness, every situation, every circumstance, every trial must have a challenge. Or is a challenge. Every challenge is an opportunity. Every opportunity creates their own expectations. Amen? Every opportunity has requirements. And every requirement, when they're met, should produce a result. This is the way, now if you can follow this, if you can follow this in your prayer, if you can follow this in your life, you won't go far wrong. It's not if anyone's sick, is there anyone? It's a different question. The Holy Ghost showed me this on Friday. It's not if, is, it demands an immediate challenge. Can you see this? So Gideon faced his challenges. Gideon had an opportunity. Gideon was a man who had his challenge, his opportunity, his expectation, requirements, and got a result. Yes? So, he chose to, well, God chose him to fight the Midianites. Now, let's go to Judges chapter 6, 2. Get ready, because I'm going somewhere with this. Prayer, what does prayer do? Releases heaven. What does it else do? Prayer releases blessing into us and over us. That is a very, very important phrase for where we're going right now. Heaven, prayer releases heaven. Prayer releases blessing into us and over us. By the end of this, if there ain't a smile on your face, I want to know why. (laughs) There should be a smile on your face. Not your neighbor says he's talking about you. Judges chapter 6, verse 2 says, Because the power of the Midianites was so oppressive. Now, just stop there. Does that conjure up its own imagery? Because the power of the Midianites was so oppressive. So you know there is a demonic infiltration in the territory. They're oppressive, they are infecting and affecting Israel. Let's read on. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Why? Because they were oppressed. They were pushed back. 
Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined their crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Now, does that sound like you, to you should say, an oppressive life? Whatever you plant, whatever you do, it all gets trampled on by somebody else. You ever felt like that? Whatever you do for people is never good enough. Whatever you do, it's just, they just stamp on everything and rubbish everything. These guys are pushed back, oppressed. And God sees what's happening and then begins to speak to Gideon and gets him involved. Now, Gideon is a very timid person, just like many of you. And is an unlikely character to be used, but God not loves to use unlikely characters. He doesn't get the brash, he doesn't get the bold, he makes them into bold. He gives them courage so that they become bold. The righteous are like a lion who's bold. Amen? And this is the work of God. So it's not what you can do, it's what God does through you. So in Gideon chapter 6 verse 36, Gideon makes a choice to get involved with heaven. After, after endless dialogue, Gideon now decides to get involved with heaven. So what, what does happen? What happens when heaven, when prayer comes? Heaven gets involved. So, Judges chapter 6, verse 36, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece, and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand. As you said, and that is what is happening. So, and, this, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew. A bowl full of water. That's how much water was in it. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. So you can see he's working in faith. Allow me just one more test with the fleece. This time, let's make it really hard for you, God. Let's really make it really hard for you. Make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. So that night, God thought about it and thought, how am I going to do this? This boy's tricked me. No, he didn't. He just did it. Now God, that night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with Jew. Now, did Gideon get heaven involved? Yes, he did. But what was the key? What was the key to Gideon being involved with God in this scripture? No. The Jew. The Jew was the sign. The fleece was either wet or it was dry. God had to send the Jew to get involved. He could have chose any kind of test, but he chose the fleece and, and, and the Jew. Now watch where we're going with the Jew. When I say Jew, not J-E-W. Not that kind of Jew. Jew, what comes from above. The Jew is now going to change the whole environment it's going to change Gideon's life. It's going to change Israel's future, Israel's fate. What God does with the Jew, God doesn't control the fleece. He controls the Jew. Right? Because if the Jew wouldn't have been around, the fleece wouldn't have, couldn't have got wet. So God is the one that sends the Jew. Not Jew as in Israelite. The Jew. So, when Gideon starts talking with God, Gideon gives God an opportunity, a challenge, an opportunity and expectation. See it? He gets heaven involved. He brings heaven into the scene. There's a challenge. God, it, can you do this? I ain't, fighting them. I ain't fighting. If you can't sort this small puzzle out, then why should I go out there and fight? I need someone who, I need to know heaven's on my side. You can see Gideon was a man of faith. 
<laughs> Unlikely. So he wants to know that the captain of the host is with him. And he can fight the Midianites. Because Gideon's not a warrior. But he's going to be a warrior. Some of you don't feel you can fight Gadareans. That's okay. But God says, and God's going to empower you, when you give heaven, when there's a challenge in front of you, God's giving you an opportunity. He's going to make some of you a warrior. So you can arise, advance, accelerate, and execute. Amen? So you can become an agent of change. So you can have high visibility, maximum impact. Look, the walls are speaking to us. Some of you feel like Gideon. Not me, Lord. Why don't you choose somebody else? Because Gideon, it's you. It's your opportunity. So, heaven's Jew was an in- integral part of the prophetic... Listen, hang on, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Go to Job 38, verse 28. I want you to see this. This is something God has shown me Friday. Friday was my encounter day. Friday was my encounter day with God. As I began to read and ask God to show things, God began to show me something from heaven for you. So if you can catch hold of this principle this morning, something very powerful is going to happen. I have something to release to you. Heaven has, we're getting heaven involved here this morning. The moment we, from the moment we walked in, heaven was involved in our worship. Not because we say it, because it was. Did you feel it? Heaven was strong this morning upon us. Right, let's continue in the same spirit that we started. Let's not switch off and draw back. Amen? Let's lift up, draw down, push in. That's a great t-shirt. I want that. Job 38, 28. Does the rain have a father? Question. Who fathers the drops of dew? Does the rain have a father? Question. Who fathers the drops of dew? We have one. Job is asking the question. The answer, I'm going to show you very clearly. We have a father who controls the rain, owns the rain, and releases heaven's dew. We have one. This is key. Watch. For me to lay my hands on you and say, it is well with your soul, like we said on Thursday night in Authentic Sonship, we have to go behind the scenes. We have to see why heaven's due is so important for us. We have to go behind the scenes. I can't just say you'll be okay. You need to know why so you can defend yourself then. So, does, heaven, does the rain have a father? Whose father the drops of rain? Right. Heaven's due is an integral part of prophetic blessing. And it came upon Jacob's life through his own father praying over him. I'm going to show you. Heaven's dew is an integral part of the prophetic blessing that comes upon your life and came upon Jacob's life through his father praying over him. Remember, challenge brings expectation, opportunity, requirements. What someone prays over you should then create an expectation within me. When someone prophesies over me, I'm looking, for the, I'm looking for the time when it's going to be fulfilled. Are you? When we pray, it gives heaven an opportunity and the Holy Ghost and the finished work of Christ to get involved. Yeah? When heaven gets involved, my individual belief and my faith is then challenged. Can I believe the word that's coming to me? Now, let's look at Jacob. Jacob is like so many people is a lying, cheating swindler. I know there's no lying, cheating swindlers in here. So God's using the most unlikeliest guy that he can find on the earth. is a lying, cheating swindler. He lies. The guy lies. He cheats and he swindlers. That's why he's a lying, cheating swindler. Now you've got the revelation. But God is about to give him a blessing that's going to change his life. Why would God take a lying, cheating swindler and change his life? He did it with you, didn't he? Did it with you? You lied. Well, I've never been lied. 
You did. You said there was no God and there was no sin inside you. Until the Holy Ghost came and challenged you. And then you saw you was a sinner. Then you responded. You was a liar. My Bible says no liars get in heaven. So there was a time when we were like Jacob. Amen? So he's a lying, cheating, swindler. But prayer is about to change his life. Isaac spoke, go to Genesis chapter 27. See, who you are now and what you will become when heaven gets involved in your life is two different people. Let me say it over here because I don't think this side, listen. Hold the face over here. Who you are and what you will become when heaven gets involved, you'll be a different person. God will change your life completely. When heaven gets involved. So, Genesis 27 verse 19, Jacob said to his father. Now, what's happening is now, his brother is about, his brother's entitled, Esau is entitled to the firstborn blessing. When When a blessing gets released from heaven in those days, it cannot be revoked. Once it's said and once it's released, it's out there. And his brother is about to receive the blessing, but... Jacob, as the liar, cheating, swindler, deceives his dad. Now now you know that. Let's pick up the story. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. I'm your firstborn son. There's the lie. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of the the game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it quickly, my son? In other words, how did he kill the animal and prepare the meal so quickly? The Lord... Your God gave me success. Just stop. He's a lying, cheating rat. The Lord, your God, didn't do that. But here's the issue. It's the Lord, his God, not my God. He couldn't say, our heavenly father. He, said, he makes a clear distinction. The Lord, your God. See, this boy has got deceit running through his backbone. He's so crooked, he couldn't lie down straight. God give me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son, Esau? He asked. I am, I am, I am, replied. Lying, cheating, swindling rat. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob thought, I'm in here. Jacob brought it to him and he ate it and he brought some wine and he drank. Then, the fa- then, then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. Not on the lips, on the cheek, as custom was. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell, now all your children have a smell, don't they? Sometimes it's B.O., other times it's something else. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Past, has blessed. Not is about to bless, has blessed. May God, there we go, may God give you of heaven's dew and of earthly riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you, my son. Be Lord over your brothers and may your sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Why does he include heaven's dew? He makes a distinction between rain and dew. Heaven is about to get involved in our lives. And we need heaven's dew is about to be released as a blessing to the house. This is a patriarch. Now, that promise still holds today. A patriarch released it into Isaac, into Jacob. 
But Jacob is a lying, swindling, cheating rat. I want you to get the picture of how bad he is. And yet heaven is still releasing a blessing even though he is like he is. Because God is about to get involved in Jacob's life in a way that Jacob doesn't yet know. And many of you come to church and God is about to get involved in your life in a way that you don't know. And you go about your life like he's never going to track you down. I'm telling you now, he is. He allows you to do certain things, but then there's going to come a day when he's going to overcome you and he's going to speak to you and touch you in a profound way. Because there is an Israel inside of Jacob. Do you know inside you there's two natures? There's the old nature, which is the lion cheating, swindler, and there is the Christ. Now, how many of you know the old nature constantly speaks? So the new nature, I am a new creation, yeah, the old is gone. Even though the old is gone, it still lives in the background trying to pollute you and corrupt you. But the new nature, Christ, is inside you. So I have to choose to live by the Spirit so I can feed the new nature. And the more the new nature is fed, the more I get changed. The more it changes me. The more I become a different person. So, here he prays, heavens you may God give you heavens due. And of earth. Riches and abundance of grain and new wine. Many nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Who wouldn't want a blessing like that? So, it doesn't only stay with Jacob. Let's go to Joseph, Deuteronomy 33. Moses is about to prophetically pray over the nations of Israel. The tribes at this point, Israel before she came, one nation was tribes. Tribes came from Jacob. Okay? When God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, Israel meant that there'd be many tribes, but one nation, one people. So, Deuteronomy 33. Now, Moses is the most meekest man in all the earth. Now, here he is about to pray a blessing over the tribes of Israel. And this is what he prays. About Joseph. As you, as you read Deuteronomy 33, he's praying over all the different tribes. And then he, he comes to Joseph. And this is what he releases over Joseph. About Joseph, he said, May the Lord bless his hand with the precious dew from heaven. Above and with the deep waters that lie below. And with the best, the sun brings forth. The finest, the moon can yield. With the choicest gifts of the ancient mountains and the fruitfulness of the everlasting hills. Will the best... Gifts of the earth and, and its fullness and the favor of him who dwell in the burning bush. Let all those rest on the head of Joseph. Wow, what a blessing. He's seen this. Jew is involved in every time these patriarchs, these great men are releasing. Heaven is involved. Heaven's Jew. Deuteronomy 32, verse 2. Let my teaching, it says, fall like rain and my words descend like dew. Let my words, Deuteronomy 32, back up a chapter, verse 2. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew. Now, if I'm speaking this morning, how much do I really want God's word to rain in this place? Let my teaching, Lord, fall like rain but let the words descend like dew. Why? Because that's heaven getting involved in the teaching. <coughs> heaven is involved. If heaven doesn't get involved when teaching and the words can't descend on you, you can't, they can't become live to you. Heaven's dew has to be involved. That's why we can sit in many arenas, words can be spoken, no one's changed. No one's changed. Why? Because heaven is not involved. We pursue it. We've been pursuing heaven now since the word came to us. It's our revelation that we're not going to die to taste heaven. Heaven's going to be a part of our life. Amen? Heaven's going to be involved in every step of the way. 
So let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. Have I having, do we have any tender plants in here this morning? Well, let heaven's dew heal you. Let them fall upon you. Let them words, my words are health and life to all those who find them. He go to, go to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If heaven does not fall, no one's equipped. Heaven must fall. If you go to Exodus chapter 6, 12, I'm going to show you the principle of this Jew, how it must be on our ground. Now, we're fortunate we live in Manchester. There's a lot of rain in the air. But there's a difference between rain and dew. Look, one of the blessings of when dew, what dew does to you. Exodus chapter 6, 16, verse 12. I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Oh, tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. So what were they going to get? Meat and bread. We have meat so we can eat. Yeah? I said we have meat so we can eat. We have bread so we can eat. God has to supply bread, meat and bread to us both. Yeah, you go to work outside, you work for your meat and your bread. Yes, you work for that. But in the house of God, God supplies. God still has to supply. As we walk and work with God, God supplies from heaven. You understanding that? That's why the Bible says physically, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But he supplies it in the house. But still, you still got to work. There are spiritual meat. And the spiritual bread that you cannot produce yourself. God has to give it. And there is physical bread and there is physical meat that you can work for. Now, have you know, physical bread and meat can, can make your, your, your body sick. But that which comes from heaven is pure. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Right. So there's a heavenly bread that must come to us. Yes. So he says, in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So God does it so that you will know some things about your God. There are things that you're receiving today that you could not receive unless God was involved. The evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. Why does he say that there? Because heaven sent it. When the dew was gone... Then thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. So from the Jew, bread materializes. They hadn't seen anything like that. They thought it was frost, but it was bread. So God has released to them bread from heaven. For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. So when heaven's dew is upon us, you can gather as much as you need. There's no limitation of how much of this you can have. Isn't that wonderful? And you see, when you give your kids sweets, you give them a boundary, don't you? You can have so many sweets, that's it. They'll rot your teeth. So in, a blessing taken too far can bring damage. True? But when heaven gets involved, take as much as you can handle. So what is the problem? The challenge here is your capacity. Your capacity. How much of heaven can you really handle in your life? <laughs> How much of heaven's due do you really want in your life and over your life? So let's go to 1 Kings 17 verse 1. Elijah now, prophetically, now begins to pray over the territory. And what he prays now begins to affect an entire region. Hello? 
What does he pray? Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain. Yeah? In the next few years, except by my word. So somebody has the power to release heaven over the territory or withhold it. That power now has been given to you. By your mouth, by your actions, by your righteousness, you release heaven into your territory. You bring the Jew of heaven into your territory. Hello? He didn't say rain, he said Jew and rain. He makes a, diff- he makes a distinction. Where did it come from? Heaven. Heaven. Then, now, whenever disobedience hits a person's life, two things removes, is removed from their life. Do you know what it is? Oil and heaven's dew. Oil, which is the believer's anointing. Oil and, oil and dew are always very closely linked together in the Bible. Time and time again, when you read scriptures about the heaven's dew, you'll always see oil somewhere, somewhere around. Not in every scripture, but a lot of times you'll see there is a twinning of those two things together, oil and water, or the dew, I should say. They are visible signs of an heaven coming upon a people. Whenever we read in scripture, whenever heaven's dew is involved, it is a visible sign that heaven is blessing a people. Are you catching this? 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 21. Listen to what he says. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20. O mountains of Gibeah, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor fields that yield offerings for, of grain. For there the shield of the, of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. He didn't need to put that in the same context. But it's there. So mountains, he's saying, may you neither have dew nor rain nor fields that, your, that yield offerings of grain. So in other words, this territory is never going to become fruitful. Right. Let's wind back our history just a little minute. The land down the road here this land was called Little Drawsden, right? Now it's just called Drawsden. But in those days, the land would not produce what they wanted. Go back and read the history of Drawsden. The land would not produce what it wanted, what they wanted it to do. So they cursed the land, and this is what they called Drawsden, the land of insignificance. Because he did not produce. Then God brings us into the territory and he tells me to go to the library. Why do I need to go to the library, Lord? I left school. I stopped learning a long time. God says to me, don't be so stupid. Get to the library. So I'm looking in the library. I'm looking for history. I just know I have to go and look at Drawsden. And as I'm looking in there, interestingly enough, a guy who was involved in the beginnings of Drawsden was called Higginson. Ha-ha. See, we're there. We're at the beginning, fella. In the beginning, God created Manchester with an Higginson. In fact, I reckon, I reckon Adam was called Higginson. Adam, Adam Higginson. So, the issue is this. God then steps us to the dream center. We make a journey from Bethel to becoming the dream center to make the dream of the king known. Why? Soon as we start bringing heaven into our scene, the whole atmosphere starts changing. Infrastructure changes. We have the power to influence and affect an environment when heaven gets involved. Now, heaven's dew is falling upon us. You watch Drawsden and Tameside seriously begin to change the more we pursue heaven. I tell you, it's time for the tree of Tameside to drink from the dew of the ground. It's time for the Tameside to drink from the dew of heaven, right? And the dew that's falling on the ground. Why? Now it's time for it to drink and yield the fruit that it should have always yielded. When they cursed it, 
She could not yield, but now heaven's involved, she can start drinking and she will flourish again. Trawsden will flourish again. Tameside will flourish again. I'm telling you, Manchester will flourish again. Not because we're hearing it, because heaven's declaring it. So, oh, mountains of Gibeah, God uses heaven and oil due to bring Jacob to an understanding that Jacob inside you, there is an Israel that must come out of you, Jacob. It's inside of you, but you're wrestling with me right now. Jacob, you're a liar. You're a swindler. You've said I was involved when I wasn't. You've used my name when you shouldn't have. Jacob, I have the right to take you from the earth, but you are going to be a blessing. When I get involved and I take your nature and I change your nature, I'm going to make you carry the dew of heaven on the ground because your father is about, you've already got the firstborn blessing. You've got the dew of heaven's coming upon you, Jacob, but you cannot live like this forever. Something has to change in your life, Jacob, because I can't use you the way you are. This, hear the word this morning. God can't use us despite all these words coming to us, despite what's on us. God can't use some of you because you won't change. You hear the word and do nothing with it. So God's trying to be merciful to us and saying, there's a blessing on you. The heaven's dew is upon you. If you'd only just begin to drink from what's been released, your life will considerably change. Let go, give in, make the journey. Get in the boat, cross over. Genesis chapter 32, ready? Verse 26, this is, the, this is you now. Then the man said, let me go. Now Jacob is wrestling, he's struggling. And now heaven's involved on the scene, there's an angel there. And he's now wrestling. He said, the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. What do you mean bless me? You're a lighting cheating rat. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Sorry, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and now have overcome. There comes a day, my friends, when your struggles have got to come to an end. So that Israel and heaven's dew can rest upon you. There's blessing there. So Psalm 110, sorry. The Lord will, at verse 2, the Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will become willing in the day of battle, arrayed in a holy majesty. And from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. Pat Loftus, I declare to you, you will receive the dew of your youth. Do you hear me? It will come from Zion. It will come from above. And you will receive the youth. What, what's degenerative, God is going to turn it around and restore. Youthfulness will come back into your body. I release it in Jesus' name to quicken your mortal body with the dew of heaven. To so Daniel, I release the dew of heaven over that young girl's life. To, to Kevin, where are you? Where's he gone? Oh, there he is. I release the dew of heaven over your life. Seriously, it's coming. It's going to give you the youthfulness back. When heaven touches us, it doesn't matter how old we are, it gives life to our bodies. It quickens us. It gives us life to our mortal bodies. It's the youth. It's coming back. God is changing, transforming the whole environment. Heaven's due has to be involved. Wow. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. The Gadareans got no chance. Your troops will be willing. Now people are beginning. Now there's an army forming. On the day of battle. This is the day of battle. This is the day of battle. Arrayed in your holy majesty. And from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. There's a new dawn arising over the dream center. And it's a dawn that's releasing the dew of heaven. And it's coming, it's a womb, it's about to be birthed. Oh, I tell you, when I'm reading this on, on Friday, I'm going, whoa, let me preach it now, Lord. 
The womb. God has given us a womb. And we're going to receive and the, the, receive the dew of your youth. Receive it this morning. The dew of your youth. What did Delilah do? She took his strength away. Now God from the dew of heaven is giving back our strength. The very thing that the Gadarene tried to take away. The very thing that Delilah tried to take away. The very thing that fear tries to take away is strength. And that's why heaven's dew gets involved. And it has a womb. And now it births. And all those who are birthed out of that womb receive the youth. You can be old but young. And that's why you stay. That's why you stay fresh and green in your old age. Wow. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. From Zion, God keeps talking to us. Zion. It's my holy hill. You, my holy hill. You will must move from Zion. Not Israel. Not Jerusalem. Not the altar. This is spiritual Zion. Hebrews 11. You have come to Mount Zion. Ooh. When heaven's dew is on the house, listen, the lovers want to engage with him. And the presence of his oil and the dew flow together. Go to Song of Solomon. When heaven's dew is on the house, the lover wants to engage. She goes out to meet him. She's pursuing heaven. She's pursuing him. Because the womb is ready to be, the womb is fertile. She's ready to produce. I slept, but my heart was awake. Anybody ever done that? You know when, you go, you know when the kids are going on holiday and you say, there's only one more sleep left. They count down the sleeps because they're so excited. Yeah? And that's how I feel right now with heaven. How many more sleeps, Lord, is there? How many more sleeps until Zion breaks out? Yeah? But God, first of all, sleep. Sleep is given to his beloved. You must sleep. Sleep is an important part because that's where your strength comes from. Strength is given from sleep. So that's why God must give sleep to his beloved. If you're not his beloved, then you won't get no sleep. So if you're struggling with sleep, you need to declare that scripture. Sleep, he gives sleep to his beloved. Am I his beloved? How do I know? Are you pursuing him? If you're not pursuing him, you're not his lover. You're just an interested party. I want to be a pursuer, not just an interested party. Don't sit in church being an interested party. Be a pursuer. Oh. Song of Solomon 5.2. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me. My sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. Such poetic language. My head is drenched with dew. How does she get, what is she, rub her head on, on the floor? Is she a dog? No. How does her head get drenched with dew? Think about it. Heaven's on her. She's pursuing the lover. My head is drenched with dew. My hair with dampness of the night. This is, this is what you should have this language together when you get married, you two. Right? This should be a language to each other. I slept but my heart was awake, Kevin. I could not wait for the next day. Listen, my lover, he's knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my love, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew. Can you imagine a Yorkshireman? What they've been doing then, lass? <laughs> my hair with dampness of the night. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? She's changed quickly. In one verse, she's changed. Now she feels inconvenienced. I took my robe off. Have I got to put it back on again now? Oh, watch. Very quickly. Her heart changes. Very quickly. She's accepting him. She's waiting for him to come. She takes her robe off. And then the knock on the door. Flipping neck. I've got to put my slippers back on now and go to the door. Oh, oh my gosh. But in the church we say, you know, just pray a little bit more. Well, I prayed this morning. You've got to talk, pray again. Well, I went to church once this week. Well, I gave what? I gave in the offering once. Do I have to give again? Everything's inconvenience. There's no pursuit there. Everything's an inconvenience. Go once, go twice, go three times, go as many times, but get him. She's drenched with heaven's you. She's ready for engagement. And then all of a sudden, oh, I've got to put my flipping roll back on. 
Watch what she's doing. He's there, literally ready to enter. But now look what happens. Must I put it on again and wash my feet again? Must I soil them again? Oh, sorry, darling. If I've inconvenienced you, I'll come back again. My lover thrust his hand through the latch, opening my heart, and I began to pound for it. You're lying right. You've just said you're inconvenienced. I arose to open for my lover, and my, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. I'm not surprised, darling. You spent all that time getting him aroused. He came to the door. Then you said, I've got to wash my feet again. I've got to put my robe on again. I've got to put my hair in rollers. Darling, forget it. It's too much trouble. Does that sound like the heart of a lover? She wants it all her own way. So all the way through Song of Solomon, she's looking but never finds him. Oh, she, she uses wonderful language, but guess what? She never finds him. Oh. Oh, I love you, Lord. It is well with my soul. As long as the song keeps playing. And when the song stops, back to. Back to life, back to reality. So the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left and was gone. He's gone. My heart sank at his departure. Too late. I looked for him, but I did not find him. Your fault. I called him, but he did not answer. I wonder why. Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? You call for him, but he does not answer. Why doesn't he answer? Because you show up, you tell him, let's go, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for interaction. I'm ready for intimacy. And then you pull back. When you refuse to acknowledge him and his presence, trouble hits hard. Daniel 5.20. Listen to the king. We're coming to a close. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people given, and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkey and ate the grass like cattle. Mouth. His body drenched with the dew of heaven. Until he acknowledged that the most high God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets them over anyone he wishes. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you know all this. Wow. Wow. You know, materialism never satisfies and here's, the, here's, the, here's the, the true tense of this. Haggai says this in chapter 1. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord, because my house remains in ruin while each of you is busy with his own home. Their affections are changed. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. So you work hard but he never produces. It's a picture of strife. Because of my house, which remains in ruin. Which house? Well, in that time, we were talking about his physical house. But to you, receiving the word this morning, your spiritual house is you. Yes, your life. I call for the drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. But when you put God first, Dream Center, Zechariah 8.12 says, the seed will grow well, the vine will produce its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dew. I will give you all these things as inheritance to the remnant of his people. If we don't fight against God and the Holy Ghost and allow Christ to form us, we will receive heaven's dew. And the last scripture Deuteronomy 33, 28. So Israel, going back to what Moses prophesied. So Israel, so the dream center, will live in safety alone. Jacob's spring is secure in a land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop 
their due. Blessed are you, O Israel, our dream center, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will trample down their high places. We take the Gadarean because heaven's Jews involved, we get victory over the Gadareans. When heaven is involved. Can you see this? The Jew of heaven is about to fall on our house. How many of you believe that? There's a womb here ready to be birthed. Let's stand to our feet. When God shows me a word, it's for you. I said it's for you. It's for me. It's for us. It's for all those who hear. This is a word worth hearing over and over again. Until you get your portion.